once upon a time, in a world with faith and fairness, there was something hidden. Down the boundary! He's gonna go! Grab his lead! Pitch on the way for Mikulacic. We got a miss! Mikulacic gets the strikeout! And for the first time in school history, the Bearcats are going to the Super Regionals! Get ready for a next-level show. Hello and welcome to Chasing the Cup. I'm your host, Jason Barfield. We are down to the Sweet 16 of our Bearcat Moments bracket. And we're going to talk to a few of the people who were involved in some of those moments and those games that are so memorable to us. Today, we're going to talk to Luke Pluchek, who was part of the 2014 NCAA tournament team that lost to TCU in 22 innings the second longest game in NCAA history. Talked a little bit about Luke, about that ball game, plus just some of his memorable moments in his career here at Sam Houston. All of that coming up here in just a second here on Chasing the Cup. Season tickets for the 2020 football season are on sale now. Secure your seats today and ensure you have the best view as the Cats look to claim a Southland Conference title. The Bearcats will play five games at Bauer Stadium this season, and as always, your season ticket will guarantee your spot at the Battle of the Piney Woods. You won't want to miss the action at NRG Stadium as the Bearcats look to make it 10 straight wins over SFA. To purchase your tickets, log on to gobearcats.com tickets or call the Athletic Ticket Office at 936-294-1729 and we will see you at Bauer Stadium this fall. Eat them up, cats. And welcome back to Chasing the Cup. Jason Barfield here, and I'm joined now by Luke Pluchek, a baseball player for the Bearcats from 2011 to 2014. Luke, thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, let's talk. Uh, we're, you know, we're we're doing our top 68 bracket of the uh, top Bearcat moments, and uh, you were actually on it individually. You were in the uh, the play-in game for your catches at Minute Maid, and uh, you did get out of the play-in round, but tough first round matchup you had to go against the super regional baseball team that wasn't uh that wasn't going to be an easy one to get past no i know that's uh that's a pretty difficult matchup there in the first round i mean uh anytime you have a team accomplishment like that where it's the first time in school history thing it's a uh, pretty special uh pretty special feat and so um just to be able to be in it you know individually for my catches that was pretty cool but uh super proud of that team for finally taking the bearcat baseball program to the super regionals and uh uh, couldn't be more proud of them uh, and what they did back then and what they continue to do now. How many times did you make Sports Center? Was it four? It was four four times in all four years. Yeah, but the uh, the ones that you're talking about there uh, at Minute Maid that was uh, two times back to back nights, Friday and Saturday there against uh, TCU and Texas Tech, and then literally the following Friday against I believe it was Cal State Northridge. Um, I made another catch uh, there at home at Don Sanders. Um, it just so happened there was a huge mud pile, so it was this big three, you know, theatric splash. Um, ended up making like number eight that night in sport, on Sports Center top ten. So it was three times in one week, which was pretty cool. But I made a made a catch uh, my sophomore year in 2012 that made Sports Center top ten. So that was pretty cool. So yeah, four times in four years, uh, 
pretty I, special. I remember some of the guys saying that you you had a way of making things a little more dramatic, maybe than they needed to be. Uh, you know that might be the case, but you know, <laughs> as long as you, as long as you catch the ball and hold on to it, I mean, what does it matter? You know, that that was my kind of my kind of uh, mentality there. So, but no, I mean, I was uh, I was always the author of the player. Um, I, I made it a point to always tell our pitchers, man, if, if something gets over my head, um, that's my fault. You know, I just wanted them to throw strikes, um, you know, and, and, and play ball, man. Just give me something to do, um, things like that. You know, if they happen to come my way, I, of course, I'll, I'll do whatever I can, sacrifice my body to make the catches. But um, I was all about doing whatever I had to do to win the game. What was it about Sam Houston that ultimately made you want to come and play here? Um, you know, so I, I grew up not too far from Huntsville, about an, an hour southwest in a little town called Tomball. Um, my grandfather actually was a Sam Houston alumni back in the 60s. So I, I kind of knew about Sam Houston, um, knew a little bit about the program when Coach Skeeter was around uh, when I was younger. Um, my grandfather would, you know, tell me about it. And then obviously, um, as I continued to grow up and then Coach Johnson, Mark Johnson, the, the longtime A&M coach, and then uh, Coach there at Sam, a uh, Hall of Famer in his own right. Um, actually was the coach and uh, that's what really turned me on to it is my high school coach was really good friends with him so I knew the name and uh, as soon as I got a phone call um, to come up and visit or whatever it was a no-brainer took the drive up there uh, saw the campus saw the stadium saw the facilities knew that they were you know top-notch within the conference and could compete with really you know most of the programs here in Texas um, from a you know niceness standpoint obviously some of the schools have more grander scale facilities but uh as soon as I just sat down with coach Johnson and and talked with him and uh what his mission and how he saw baseball and and everything and just the opportunity they gave me to basically come in and potentially earn a starting position as a freshman um it just sold me and that was it I was done I was I was going to be a Bearcat for life so your freshman year you started 22 games you appeared in 43 you guys got to the conference tournament won a game but then got knocked out um, but that really kind of set the stage uh, for the next three years for you guys. And, and, you know, especially your group that came in were a part of, you know, three straight regional teams in 12, 13, and 14. Just what was that like for that group uh, to, to really be a part of three of the uh, probably more special seasons in baseball history? Yeah, you know, it was um, it was special. Uh, that uh, that 2011 team, you know, my freshman year, um, we had a, a fairly young – well, I wouldn't say young. We had a good group of, of juniors on that team. Obviously, the seniors are great. They had been there for a while. But a good group of juniors that came back that first year with Coach Pierce. Um, but really what it was was the sophomore class of, like, Kevin Miller, Jesse Plumley, um, to name a couple. And then, you know, my class, my freshman class of myself, um, Cody Dixon, Caleb Smith, who's a, you know Huntsville product. A lot of people you know know Caleb around that area, especially with what he's been able to do now in his in his pro game. Um, just kind of getting to come back, and so we brought back a huge nucleus with a new coaching staff now. And a lot of programs, the big thing is is you know when they're you're not considered those coaches' guys. You know that's that's one thing, right? You were recruited by a different coaching staff, so you might not necessarily fit the game plan that the new coaching staff wants, but. Um, the best part was, is, you know, bringing in a coach like coach Pierce, um, coach Miller, coach Allen, um, they kind of came in and from day one, it wasn't, Hey, you, you were coach Johnson's guys. No, you, you're our guys. We're going to win with y'all. This is what we're going to do. But within that core group, um, a lot of us had, you know, a, a lot of experience playing, um, you know, multiple guys had 
you know, like you said, over 40, 50 games played already in their career. Some of them already over 100 that have been there for a year. Um, but what really set the tone was uh, was the seniors. Um, we had John Hale that was returning back who had, you know, was our, you know, bona fide catcher. I mean, one of the greatest catchers I think I've seen play the game of baseball from a catching standpoint. Um, Jordan Bunch, uh, Justin Jackson, who he went off to pitch in the, in the major leagues, in the minor leagues for a few years. But we just had a great nucleus of guys that came back um, that all we wanted to do was just take the program to that next level. Um, and then when you bring a coaching staff in like we had um, with the guys that I mentioned, um, it was really just hit the ground running. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a rebuild. It was a, okay, what do you expect from us? What do we expect from you? All right, I got it. And then let's, let's take off. And yeah, that was, uh, I like to think, you know, 2012 was kind of the start of base, Bearcat baseball as we know it today. Yeah, when you look at that 2012 season, um, you know, obviously with the new coaching staff, there were some unknowns. And then you guys got on a run there midway through conference. I think you rattled off like 11 straight games, including a, uh, a three-game sweep over Texas State, who had been mm-hmm. kind of the favorites of the league. I believe they might have even been ranked at that time. And you guys were able to knock them off and really get on a run. What was that first taste of, of NCAA experience for you like in 12? Um, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it's the only way to really explain it, uh, to, to be recognized, you know, starting at a national level, you know, not just regionally, you know, within the Houston, Dallas, you know, area kind of where we primarily play um, to get that national exposure. It was great because, I mean, we prided ourselves on being a team of a bunch of basically rejects that, the big programs in Texas didn't want, you know, I mean, um, I myself was lucky enough to be an all state player in high school. I had a couple other players that were, you know, all state, all region players in high school, you know, these really good high school players that um, the bigger programs either said were, you know, too small or didn't have the power, you know, didn't throw 95 from the mound, something like that. Um, but still well above average baseball players. And so, you know, you play the competition that we get to play at Sam Houston, um, our mission was to go out and, and to show these programs in the national stage um, that we're just as good, if not better, than most of these guys. And so that weekend you talk about with Texas State, I believe, you know, they had come in off of three, you know, three straight conference championships themselves, um, really good regional appearances. You know, I think a couple of regional championship games even um, there um, came into Don Sanders. I think it was actually to start off spring break that year. And we, we had been playing pretty well to start the season and everything, but uh, that was going to be the big test. It was the start of the Southland conference. We were facing the, the person, the team that dominated that conference. Um, but we wanted them to know that, that it was our time that we were going to take over that dominance role. This was our conference. Um, this, the, eventually this was going to be our state. Um, and we just kind of, you know, when you have a group of guys that have the same mentality like that, um, and they get together and they just kind of put their nose down and just, you know, get dirty. Um, it's pretty hard to stop us, and that's kind of what kicked it off. And like you said, uh, the rest of 2012 was history. Yeah, I think it was a uh, that Friday night game. I think Anthony Azar hit a two-run bomb, maybe seventh, eighth inning, kind of late in that game, gave you guys the lead, and it felt like y'all just really never looked back the rest of that weekend. That, uh, that home run kind of carried y'all through. Um, yeah, and that's not that's not surprising. I mean, Azar did that for three years at Sam Houston. I mean, he was he was a backbone of a lot of the teams there, um, a real big uh, rally starter engine, as we like to say. And uh, yeah, that's not, I mean that's not surprising. Him hitting a, a big time home run and you know, really just kind of carrying the team the rest of the weekend. So, you talk about you know having grown up in the Houston area, played with a lot of Houston area guys. 
what did it mean for y'all to to go down to Rice and to knock the Owls out of that regional? Um, I mean that was that was the, probably the most special part of the whole season. You know, Coach Pierce had been at uh, at Rice for like 13 years prior, won a national championship under Wayne Graham. There um, was essentially Wayne Graham's right hand man. You know, for 13 years, pitching coach and uh, you know, Coach he never really talked much about his time at Rice. I mean, he would mention it here and there. Um, but you know, he really, he really wanted us to to know that, you know, that was a separate chapter of his life. And now it's all about, you know, Bearcat baseball. And so I always appreciated that about him, but, uh, you know, actually the start of that regional really started the last weekend of the season when we had the opportunity, as long as we won two of the three games to win the conference outright and uh, nobody else could share the title. He, uh, he walked in, we won Friday night. I think we actually might've played Southeastern. I'm not sure. Um, walked in Saturday night after we had won Friday's game. Um, he walked into our pregame meeting and he had, uh, he had 13 rings on his hand. So he had all of Bryce's conference championship rings and his one national championship ring. Um, and he basically sat down and he said, this is what we're playing for this weekend. Um, this is what it's all about. This is what you're going to remember, you know, years from now when your playing career is over, you're going to be able to look at this on your, on your dresser. Um, think about all these guys next to you and stuff. And so that really lit a fire under us. And then, of course, that following, you know, two weeks uh, on Selection Monday, you know, you get the rice draw, right? They're a national seed. You've already played them twice that year. You beat them once. Um, you're a little disappointed because it's like, oh, you're going to send us, you know, only 50 minutes from home. That's, you know, okay, we get it. Um, but let's go prove something. And so, yeah, you know, Saturday, I guess it was Saturday, um, we, uh, we end up in the, the same game as Rice after losing to Arkansas in a tough game, uh, late in the game on Friday night. And, uh, the, the goal was to knock them out of their own regional. So all they had to do was host, uh, host the rest of the weekend. And, uh, I could, uh, I could tell you that, uh, Coach Pierce was probably a little disappointed, but that would be a huge lie because I've probably never seen a coach more excited than, uh, when we beat Rice to knock them out of their own regional. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Well, let's fast forward now to 2014, your senior year. You guys are in a regional for the third time, and you, you get drawn at the TCU regional. Y'all's opening game is Dallas Baptist. It's a team that y'all had already played a three-game series and taken two of three from, but still it's you know, it's an opening night game in a in a regional. Just kind of what were what were those nerves, you know, knowing it's your last regional going into that Dallas Baptist game? Um you know, to be honest with you, and I, I mean, I mean this truthfully, uh, no nerves. I mean, like you said, it was our third straight regional. Um, that team in 14, every single one of the starters um, had played in a regional game before, had played, basically had been a starter for the last three years. And so um, the confidence was high. Um, we already had played Dallas Baptist that year. And we played Dallas Baptist every year, super familiar team. Um, but at the same right, still a different team than when we played them earlier in the year. I think they were coming off of being one of the nation's leaders in home runs. Their pitching staff was um, solid. They're, the guy that we faced Friday night, we had faced earlier in the season. But, of course, you know, teams are different towards the end of the year than they were at the beginning. Um, upper 90s guy, solid slider, curveball. I mean, he was – I think he ended up going fairly early in the draft that year too. So, I mean um, – but as far as nerves go, I mean, there weren't any, you know, I mean, we had been, basically been there, done that. Um, we weren't super happy with the draw that we got. We thought the season that we put forth and the, uh, 
the RPI and, and the, you know, the body of work that we had, um, you know, we deserved a, a regional that wasn't with a, you know, a national seed in TCU, especially considering we had already beat them and beat them pretty handily earlier in the season. Um, but that was before they, you know, they got rid of the regional guidelines kind of things that they have now. Um, so everything was kind of based off of where you're located and who's hosting a regional kind of thing, convenient standpoint. Um, but that Dallas Baptist team was good. You know, they put up a fight. Um, we knew we were going to have to bring our A game, obviously. But as like I said, you know, there was there was no nerves at all. It was just kind of it's another game. We got to take care of this, not trying to look forward to p- that potential matchup with TCU Saturday night and their own thing. Um, handled Dallas Baptist, you know, the team in front of us, um, and and we did, and so just moved on Saturday. You got the scoring started on that one, RBI single in the second to score Ryan O'Hearn, and then, uh, you know, it was a game-winning run for you guys in the top of the eighth inning for a 2-1 win, so kind of a a narrow narrow victory, but but one that was able to move y'all on to face TCU, and uh, so let's – Let's get into the TCU game. Uh, It was funny because I think uh, I got a tweet early in the week from Epler, and uh, he wanted it taken off the bracket completely. He didn't want to. He didn't even want to think about that game. Um, And you know, it's it's one of those that you know I I let somebody else do the uh, do the seeding of the games, and I put it kind of in his list of games to choose from. And I was curious to see where he was going to put it because you know when we're sitting down and we're talking about the 16 best games of the last 35 years for Sam Houston, it's hard to put a loss in there. You wouldn't think that a loss would, would be among, you know, the best games in, in school history. But I think the uniqueness of that game, certainly uh, the fact that it was in an NCAA regional, it's the second longest game in a regional, and then just the circumstances within the game that, uh, that I felt like it made it rise to that level. So I was curious to see what he – was going to decide, and he made it a five seed. And, you know, I think the, you know, when you looked at the games that were on the list and the uh, the top couple of games were were pretty easy choices. It's the uh, the Montana 2011 championship game here, at, or the semifinal game here at Bowers. I was there for that. It was a great, it was amazing. The Eastern Washington comeback in 2004 when they were down 34-14 and came back in the fourth quarter. And uh, and won that one. The '96 baseball win at uh, against Miami in Austin in the regional. So yeah. you know your top three were pretty easy, and really even number four was the first playoff game for Sam Houston, the first playoff victory for football in 2001. So he put this one at five, and so I was kind of curious to see what that was going to be, and I and I think that was probably a fair kind of a fair assessment of of that game. So. From your standpoint, when you think back to that game, what what stands out to you? Um, I mean, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when you look at it from a pure baseball game standpoint, right, take the bias out of the fact that it was a loss, um, you know, you could honestly say it was, it was probably one of the greatest games in Bearcat baseball history. I mean, just from the pure baseball standpoint, right? I mean, 22 innings. Um, it essentially covered two nights. Um, you know, we, it, the game ended at 2.35 in the morning, actually technically two months. We started it on May 31st, and it ended June 1st, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you said it, you know, second longest game in NCAA history, but I think if I'm not mistaken, they told us it was actually, time, you know, time-wise, it was the longest game in NCAA history at like 
six, six hours, six hours and six hours and 54 minutes. Yeah. So it was like the longest game time wise in NCAA history, but second longest inning wise, you know, which is what you look at as far as baseball goes, because there's no clock. But uh, when I look back on it, um, of course it, it brings up some heartache. Uh, I have a, you know, a, I guess a, a special um, part in, in that game versus, you know, what, rather than just being a part of the team and, and a starter, um, which I'm sure you'll, you'll touch on here in a little bit, but when I look back on it, I just kind of see it as a, a culmination of, of uh, the success of that team that year. So, like I said, we, we were a little disappointed, felt like we had a better body of work than to end up in a, a regional of a national seed. I think they were the seventh or sixth seed that year, something like that. Um, we had over 40 wins. Our RPI was up in, I think, the top 30, top 35. We had already beaten TCU. Our win, our win loss against the top 25 opponents that we won was exceptional. Um, one conference for the third straight year. So, you know, to go there was a little disappointing, but at the same time, it was still exciting. And then you, you talk about Saturday night um, at Lupton Stadium there in Fort Worth against a team that, you know, up until that game, we didn't necessarily hate. I mean, we didn't necessarily like them. I mean, they were an opponent that we had known very well. Um, you know, there was always that, that interstate rivalry kind of thing. Um, but to go 22 innings with a team that was considered one of the best eight teams in college baseball that year at their home park in front of their fans in a playoff atmosphere, um, you know, it, it's special. Uh, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have thought, you know, a team like Sam Houston even deserved to be on the same field as a TCU um, you know, a decade ago, whereas, you know, we're talking 2014, there was, you know, a consensus within the state and some even at a national level um, that thought that there was a, you know, a high possibility that Sam Houston, we should have been a two seed at a different regional. Um, and if we get out of, you know, get out of this regional, um, there's a high possibility you might even be talking about going, you know, to Omaha. And that's kind of where, you know, it led us to as far as the disappointment of the loss, because you look at that and how the rest of the regional and the, the pairing regional with that Fort Worth regional ended up. Um, you win that 22 inning game against TCU. They have to play the, the, the Sunday morning game, right? We're sitting two and zero. we get to sleep in and rest. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that, uh, that, that TCU can't, that couldn't beat us twice in a row to end up winning that regional. Um, just based off of the team that we, we had that year. Um, and so you're looking at a Bearcat baseball team that, you know, before the 2017 team is, is probably going to a super regional and, and at that point ends up potentially hosting it against Pepperdine, um, potentially maybe even at Don Sanders Stadium for a best two out of three to go to uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, anybody that knows the 2014 team knows that uh, you're not coming in and beating that Bearcat baseball team two out of three at Don Sanders Stadium. That game, yeah, I mean, you look at what the future implications are. I think that's one of the things that makes the way this whole thing broke down sting just a little bit more, uh, knowing how everything did shake out in the other regional and Pepperdine winning it, and they didn't put in a bid to host, so it would have been here at the Dons. I think all of that kind of adds to – really adds to this game and and what this game meant – and this will, you know, you guys got off to a good start in this one. Y'all put a run up in the first um, and really looked like you were about to have a big inning, you know, at least a crooked number on the board. 
and uh, the interference gets called at uh, at second base on uh, I believe Carter Burgess was yeah. sliding into fur or sliding into second. It got called for an interference and kind of broke up what was you know potentially going to be a big first inning for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, that was kind of the the you look back on it now that the game's over, and you know, at that time you can look back at when it's over and stuff too, and realize. There was more than probably just, you know, that, that, that 21st inning call. But, uh, you know, that was really the start. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're, we're on a rally. Um, you know, it's, it's a good hard baseball play. I mean, I, at the time, I, I don't even really can't even remember, you know, exactly how it played out. I don't, I can't picture it anymore. Of course, I picture, I can, I can see mine vividly, but, uh, you know, I remember the upset of coach and stuff, and it, it's just tough, you know. I mean, you look at it, and umpires have to make a, a difficult decision, and I know a bunch of people want to talk about replay, and, you know, they should go to a computerized strike zone. Uh, my opinion is, you know, umpires are part of the game, you know. I mean, that human element is, is part of the game, but at the same time, on, on calls like that, you know, you just hope that an umpiring staff has the training and, you know, the confidence to sit there and be able to make a judgment call of is this a good baseball play, a hard baseball play, or is there malicious intent? Was it just ridiculous? And it's, you know, I feel like nowadays more umpires are and, and officials are more quicker to, to make a, a call that it was an illegal play or interference versus it was a good hard baseball play, right? Because if they do that, then it's like, oh, well, they were just erring on the side of caution or they don't want anybody to get hurt, but it's, it's taken away from what the game of baseball has been for a hundred plus years. And that's, you know, a good, hard, dirty sport where, you know, it polices itself. There's no ill intent. It's just, that's how you play the game. Now, if you're talking about somebody that's going to, you know, drastically slide out of the base, you know, the base path or just completely run through the catcher at home plate because, you know, with no intention of sliding at all, then yeah, that's, that's one thing. But, um, when you're talking a regional game, you're talking uh, two teams that are familiar with each other, both feel like they're, you know, prominent at a national level in, in 2014. Um, the inning itself is shaping up to be a big inning like that. And that's the big thing, right? Umpires can feel the, the vibe of the game. They can feel the energy. That, that inning was moving in our direction. TCU was having a hard time getting us out they were having a hard time throwing strikes and stopping us it was building up for us to basically bust it open um and something like that where the where it comes down to an umpire's call that completely takes all the wind out of the sail um that's where i have a hard time with them making that kind of judgment um because you know they should you know they should know better they should continue to err on the side of of the energy of the inning if there's no malicious intent there, and I don't think there was any malicious intent there, I think it was a good good baseball play that Carter made, um, and unfortunately, it, it took away a big inning for us. Yeah, and you look at that inning, um, you know, Simmerly singles, Azar draws a walk, O'Hearn singles, so now you guys have the bases loaded, one out, um, yeah. and then you've got the error in center, Carter Burr just reaches on and uh, allows Simmerly to score, and then Toops hits the ground ball to second or to short, and uh, you know it looks like it's going to be you know a nice breakup at second base. Another yeah. run scores, and you've got runners at the corners and two outs, and still an opportunity to tag more on the board and so forth. To kind of abruptly end like that, you know, I think that one probably did take a little bit of a toll on you guys. But the pitching was spectacular, and. Yeah. In the eighth inning, you score the tying run in the eighth to make it 2-2. Two, two. 
and then you'll ultimately go extra innings. And, uh, you know, it was funny because on the broadcast, I was calling the game with Kuda Robertson, and uh, we had kind of been alternating on play-by-play duties. I had taken the first through the third, and he took the middle innings, and then I took seven, eight, nine. And so I looked at him when it went to the 10th, and I said, I'll just take it the rest of the way, not knowing the rest of the way was going to be 12 more innings of baseball. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you guys just kept matching uh, goose egg for goose egg. And, you know, y'all were in the unique position, even though it was at TCU, you were the home team. How does that change the way y'all are approaching the game inning by inning as, you know, as as they keep getting blanked and then you guys are coming to bat and just what was that like? Uh, that's, you know, that's what makes baseball special, right? When you, when you talk about, you, you talk about home field advantage, obviously regionals are a little bit different, but when you talk about home field advantage, uh, in baseball, so the home team, you get that last at bat, right? You know, football, home field advantage, you have, the crowd's a little bit louder. Basketball, crowd's a little bit louder. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you to get the last possession. Whereas in baseball, you're guaranteed to get that last chance to win the game. And so knowing that we had that, ability behind us and, and that opportunity, right, to get the last at bat, um, it allows you to play a little bit more loose, you know, in the top half of the inning, you know, with your pitching, with your defense, everything like that. Of course, you don't want them to score because, you you know, if you score, the game's over. If they score, you've got to match that score and then score again. Um, but then when you come into hit, you know, it, it still it takes kind of the, some of the pressure off, of course. Obviously, if you're playing from behind, you're coming in, you're down a run, down two runs, it's your last about a little bit different, but when you, like you said, you're matching goose egg for goose egg with one of the best teams in the country, um, you come into hit, you have that extra confidence where it's, it's not necessarily, man, if I hit a home run games over, yeah, that's the case. But you know, with, with the era that it was, you know, the BB core bats now are a little bit better. The baseballs hadn't changed yet. So 2014, there still wasn't a whole lot of big time home runs being hit. Of course, Lupton there in Fort Worth is kind of like the dawn. It's not really a home run hitters ballpark. Um, but it allows you to be a little bit more aggressive from an offensive standpoint. So when you get a runner on, you know, it gives you an opportunity to do that hit and run that you might not do in the top of the inning or, you know, to go ahead and dump the runner over to second base so you have one out with a runner in scoring position or, um, you know, let your big bats in the lineup, you know, really swing away because if they do get into one and it happens to go off the wall or it, it does clear the wall, you know, the game's potentially over. So, um, it gives you a little bit more of an aggressive mindset, a little bit more, you know, looseness in the dugout. But, uh, you know, as you continue to 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 go more and more innings, um, naturally that confidence kind of goes away. You know, you try to hold on to it. But, you know, when you get into the 15th, 16th, 17th inning, if that's how long you're going, um, you're starting to play essentially two baseball games in one night. Um, naturally, that just kind of kind of fades a little bit. You guys had a chance in the 13th um, after uh, Anthony Azar singled. O'Hearn hits a deep ball. And and off the bat, I'll be honest, I thought it might have been gone. Um, But he hits it to the gap, and then Azar's thrown out at the plate uh, what would have been the game-winning run. So that's the 13th. So you're like, okay, well, you know, starting to get to him a little bit. Well, then you go 14, 15, 16. So let's now go to the 21st. (laughs) <laughs> and let's talk about the 21st inning because, um, you know, the way that started, um, Travis Lee um, singles to start the inning off, steal seconds. No, Hoops singled. What's that? 
Toops, Toops was the one that singled oh, out. Oh, no, I was looking at the 20th because y'all had an yeah. opportunity there in the 20th as well because Lee got to third and yeah. um, and was left stranded at third. So the 21st, um, Burgess actually singles to start the inning. Okay, yeah. So Carter right. Carter singles to start the inning and then um, and then Toops sacks him over to second. That's right. Okay. And then um, Shea singles and Carter advances to third. And then you walk. So now bases are loaded and there's one out. And Lee hits the bouncer to short. Take take me away from here. Yeah. um, You know, before we get into it, you know, the, I, uh, I've always prided myself on being somebody that plays baseball hard, plays it the right way. Um, And, uh, you know, so I'm not, I never hold myself at fault. Um, for playing the game of baseball the way that I was taught and the way that I'd always played it. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Lee hits a chopper to, to shortstop um, between myself and Travis there at the time, um, the two fastest guys on the team, probably two of the fastest guys at that regional. There's no way uh, they're doubling him up. Yeah, there's no way they're doubling him up on that. And there's, you know, with the, as the height of the chopper that he hit, there was, you know, a, a one chance that they were even going to get me out at second. And so that's part of kind of what happened is the ball was hit so high off off the ground. Um, the shortstop just had to essentially wait for it to come down. Well, by the time he flips it to the second baseman, I'm already sliding into second. Um, looks like I could potentially even be safe. And, you know, second baseman standing right on top of the bag. Um, I'm running hard. I'm, I mean, I'm a fast guy. I take a slide. I slide straight through second base, just like we're taught, just like we're allowed to. Um, no spikes in the air. Um, no ill intent behind it. Um, butt you know, on the, the ground. Runner, yeah, butt on the ground. The runner's job is to slide, and they can slide straight through the base. I can slide all the way in the left field if I want to, as long as I slide straight through the base, which I did. It's the uh, middle infielder's job to avoid um, – contact with the runner as long as the runner does that he didn't he's standing right on top of the bag and um i you know unfortunately you know not unfortunately i mean i I take him out just like any baseball player is taught to do break up the double play um he ends up throwing the ball into you know the bleachers i believe or down down the right field line um, i think he may have just i think he may have just spiked it in the dirt i'm not maybe i'm not really even sure he got a throw off yeah, you know, Carter scores. We think the game's over, right? It's a walk-off. We're all celebrating. Um, the thing that frustrated me the most is the initial reaction from the umpire was to to call the game over. I mean, he, he called, you know, the, the runner at first was safe. Everything was fine. And then five seconds later, he decides, oh, wait, never mind. It's interference. Automatic double play and takes the run off the board. And, and that's where I kind of had a problem with it. Obviously, being 2.15 in the morning had something to do with it, playing 21 innings. Um, but, you know, anybody that knows that game and, and knows um, that season uh, kind of knows what unfolded after that. I won't get into that. I'm not not proud of that reaction, but at the time, felt like it was justified. And if I had to do it again, probably would would do everything again but uh i don't know that there's anybody who faults you for that (laughs) there there were a lot of people watching that game and listening to that game who probably had worse reactions than you did in that moment um you know and coach pierce comes out he gets run from the game as well and uh you know it just 
that and in that moment it was going to be tough i think for you guys to overcome i mean you know you're like you said it's it's 215 in the morning and then tcu comes back in the 22nd they score the run and and ultimately win the game and um you know so so now let's you know kind of take me through that night or really that morning um as you guys have to kind of regroup and play sienna you're not going to be part of that but what was what was that bus ride back to the hotel what was what were the conversations you guys were having uh after that ball game um you know well it, it kind of all started still still at the stadium um so obviously i got ejected um coach pierce got ejected um very next inning um, and, and feel free to talk about bobby williams in the dugout as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 coach williams wasn't too happy to i'm surprised he didn't honestly get banned from the regional series <laughs> fired up it was nice it was nice to see you know not only your head coach um but your athletic director kind of have your back in, in that situation and stuff but uh you know myself you know got ejected you know have to remove yourself from the dugout um you know, so they, they take us underneath the stadium. So you still get to kind of hear the game, watch the game. Um, of course, I'm still, you know, heated. But for me, you know, what really got me was, you know, that next inning, they get a runner on uh, second, I think. And then uh, their, their stud, you know, Boomer White at the time, you know, hit the ground ball in the left field. Um, obviously, my replacement in left field, you know, comes in to, to take over for me. Um, of course, baseball adage, you know, they're, they're – you know, if something happens like that, it's, you know, they're going to, they're going to find, the ball's going to find you. The ball's going to find you. And so, um, and I don't fault them at all. You know, it's a tough situation to come into, but for me personally, I look at it, you know, I'm, you know, for me that night, it was, I cost my team the game because of my slide. Right. Then the very next inning, a ball hit to my position that somebody who doesn't play very often, if not at all, is now out there because of my decision. Um, and I think they, they might have bobbled the ball or anything like that. It would have been a tough play at the plate. But, you know, me, you know, I, I think it is a different situation. If I'm out there, right, it's, I'm not as nervous. I do it all the time. Maybe I'll come up, make a good throw, and we're going to the 23rd inning, so, you know, bottom of the 22nd inning. So that's all playing in my head. But uh, um, once it kind of calmed down a little bit underneath the stadium, you know, me and Coach Pierce down there, I, I got to say, you know, when I was down there, I was still pretty pissed off. The NCAA guy was – you know, talking to me, telling me I'm, I'm not going to be able to play tomorrow and stuff like that. And, of course, that's, that's the last thing that I want to hear right now. I'm, and my team's still trying to win this game. Like, first off, you can talk to me afterwards what my punishment is. But the fact that you want to try to have a full-blown conversation with me right now when I'm still trying to support my team as much as I can without being there – you know, just didn't really set with me. So I think I might have knocked over a bucket of balls in the batting cage and then re- refu- refused to pick them up, told them that, you know, that TCU could pick those up if they wanted them cleaned up. Uh, once it kind of calmed down, um, I'll never I'll never forget, you know, um, that moment with Coach Pierce because it's, it's probably my, my favorite moment of my entire career. Um, and I get emotional talking about it, but uh, – you know, coach looks at me and he sits there and he says, you know, whatever happens tonight happens. Whatever happens tomorrow happens. Um, I'm not disappointed in you at, uh, at that play because that's how you play baseball. Um, that's how I've always wanted you to play baseball. And, uh, you know, told me that's why I'm, you know, was the leader of the team because of uh, the way I play. And uh, it was just, it was just nice to hear, you know, it kind of calmed me down. Um, 
but uh, the bus ride back to the hotel was tough. Um, you know, obviously we lost the game probably three in the morning that time. We know we have to come back and play at one o'clock the next day, but obviously you get to the field, you know, about 11 um, for batting practice and stuff. So it was going to be, you know, a pretty quick turnaround. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get to play, but uh, we got back to the hotel. Um, before everybody got off the bus, I kind of stood up to everybody and, uh, you know, apologized. And, um, of course, you know, the first person to speak up and say something was, uh, Azar, um, basically telling me to not apologize for anything. There was nothing I did wrong. Um, nobody, nobody faults me, you know, everybody else in that situation would have done the same thing because that's how you play the game and that they would take care of business for me in the morning so that that wasn't the last game I played and they did. So you don't get to play against Siena. Where where were you kind of posted up during that Siena game the next day? What was what was your situation for that? Yeah, so um, out of out of respect for the situation, they allowed me to stay in the clubhouse and watch the game on the on the television. But technically, they I should have been um, at the hotel or on the bus. I, I shouldn't have even been allowed in the uh, in the stadium. Like, according to, to rules um, if you've been if you've been ejected you have to serve a one game suspension but you're technically not allowed to be on premises um, but because of the situation and I think the way that everything had unfolded um, the magnitude of the situation and the fact that it was a regional game um, I think allowed them to be a little bit more lenient which I, I appreciated um, because I was able to interact with the team before the game started. Um, obviously I couldn't be in the dugout. I wasn't on the field during batting practice, but I could see him underneath in the clubhouse when they came through. I was able to kind of give a pep talk. Um, and I was able to watch the game, um, you know, there on the television. So for that, I, I was thankful. Obviously I would have rather been out on the field. Um, but, uh, yeah, posted up in the clubhouse. <laughs> and it, it, it had to feel good for you that they got the win, um, not only to get to a regional final for the team, but that your career didn't end on that Saturday night in the 21st inning, how, you know, how relieved were you to get another game of baseball? Um, I was extremely grateful. Um, I'm, 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 I can't thank my teammates enough for, you know, grinding through that game. I know it was tough. I mean, I know they were tired. I know situations were different. Um, game plan was different because we had to completely, you know, restructure the whole game plan for that. Um, it's not what we expected to have to do was to play that game. And um, so, I mean, I'm extremely grateful. I mean, if my career had ended um, the way, you know, that that had unfolded and, you know, we didn't win that game against Siena, I, I don't know if, uh, if I'd still have maybe the same appreciation for baseball as I do now, or if I'd have a kind of a, you know, a, a dark pit, I guess, within myself for, for the game of baseball and how it all ended. Um, of course, I still have kind of a, a little dark pit because I, I think it didn't end the way that it should. And it was, you know, the incorrect call and stuff. And we were meant for bigger things that year. But, uh, you know, I can sit back and still talk about, you know, that season and how it unfolded and everything. And it, it gets me upset. Obviously, you can tell it gets me emotional and stuff like that. But uh, um, it didn't ruin ruin the game for me. If anything, it kind of made me appreciate it more because to have teammates like that, they kind of pick you up. Um, still support you, even though, you know, you can look at it and say, you know, if I would have slid earlier or even just laid down, you know, or not even ran the second base, they're not throwing Travis Lee out at first base. 
and we win the game. But again, that's, that's not how I was taught how to play baseball. And, um, so it just, yeah, it makes me, makes me really grateful that, uh, that I got one more game that night. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a memory that I'll always have a bad memory at times, but a good memory for most of it. Um, but, uh, you know, still fun. Well, I can tell you, uh, in all the conversations I've had about this game over the years, and it's one of the reasons why we decided to put this game on the list to begin with, because it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. If we talk Sam Houston baseball long enough, we eventually get around to the 22 inning game. And, uh, so I think it's a game that a lot of people remember whether they were, there in person that night, whether they were watching it on ESPN, listening to the radio broadcast, I think a lot of people remember it. And I can tell you one thing for sure: no one has ever faulted you for for the what for your reaction in that. Like I said, I, I think everybody knows that that was a very human moment, and yeah. uh, and and so nobody nobody has ever mentioned anything like that. And I think I think people just remember that game not only for for historically what it meant, but I think, you know, obviously we talk about the what it could have meant uh, from the standpoint of, you know, advancing potentially to a Super Regional and then Omaha. And uh, the one last thing I do want to touch on, because um, I, I, I felt like in 2017, when the 2017 team did make it to a Super Regional, mm-hmm. I, I felt good. I felt good for those guys, but I felt good for the guys who had gone through the 2014 season and had been so close. And I felt like that was kind of a redemption in that, you know, you never know what could ever happen again. And I, and I think for, you know, to turn around and three years later to be able to get to a super regional was big for this program. And, uh, you know, certainly the groundwork that you guys put in, I don't think 2017 happens if if y'all if y'all don't have your 2012, 13, and 14 runs and kind of really just continue to establish Sam Houston baseball for what it was as an alum. What did that mean to you to see those guys advance to the super regionals? Um, I mean, it was great. It was uh, it was how it was essentially the initial reaction was uh, okay. How do I find a flight to Tallahassee in a hotel to get there as soon as possible, you know, and, and the logistics of it. Cause you know, now being an alumni, you, you're married, you have a job and everything. And you realize, Oh wait, I, I can't just up and fly to Tallahassee and watch them play Florida state. I'm going to have to tune in on the television. But um, no, it was uh, like you said, it was, it was kind of a, I don't know, a relief in a sense, because like you said, you look back, and um, I don't think you'll find anybody that follows Bearcat baseball played for, you know, Sam Houston that'll tell you that, you know, be hard, hard pressed to find a, another team in Bearcat history that was as good as that 2014 team was, or that had accomplished as much as a, as a nucleus group. I mean, like I said, when you talk about it, you know, all nine starters, or we'll say all eight starters, plus some of our starter starting pitchers had essentially played almost every game and started for that three-year run from 12 through 14. And so that 14 team had accomplished more than any other group probably could have accomplished from a team standpoint. And then you look at some of the individual accolades that we had, the draft picks that came out of those teams um, that finally put Sam Houston on a national map. Um, It was relief, you know, it was all this hard work he had put in, 
Um, you thought you were the team that was going to be the one that did it. And, you know, if circumstances had gone a certain different way. You probably were, and you probably were the team, the first team that was going to take Bearcat baseball to Omaha, but you, you can't live in a world of what ifs. And so to see that 17 team um, go in there to Texas Tech and just kind of, you know, almost the same situation. I think Tech was a national seed at that time. It was a tough regional, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, Arizona in there as well. There you go. Yeah, Arizona, who I think right the next year, Arizona ends up playing for the national championship. So that team that they beat, you know, was the team that started their run for a national championship game the next year. And so a huge accomplishment for that guy, for those guys and that coaching staff. Obviously, my coaches had moved on at the time. Um, but to see Bearcat baseball take that next step um, from a national standpoint was uh, was huge. I mean, it was big for the school. Um, it, was, it was big for the city of Huntsville and, and the community that supported us. Um, and it was big for alumni that had put blood, sweat, and tears into building that program. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our time here today. Uh, Luke, appreciate you joining us. Uh, certainly a, uh, a weird time for all of us in sports, um, but it, I'm glad it really gave us a chance to catch up and to talk about a game and a, and a team that a lot of people still remember. So appreciate you joining us and talking about that. Hey, absolutely, Jason. Anytime. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Chasing the Cup. I want to thank Luke Pluchek for joining us. Remember, we're down to the Sweet 16 in our voting, and the voting will get started on Thursday on Twitter at Bearcat Sports. So hop on, put your votes in as we work our way down to the Final Four, and we'll talk about it next week here on Chasing the Cup. If you like what you're hearing from us this year, be sure to rate and review the show. If you aren't subscribing, you can do so on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Chasing the Cup is recorded in the Bearcat Sports Network studios in the new Wood Forest Athletic Center. This week's episode was written and produced by Jason Barfield. Broadcast calls are courtesy ESPN. The songs Hot Shot and Clear Progress are courtesy ScottHolmesMusic.com. This has been a presentation of the Bearcat Sports Network.